Hey everyone and welcome to 121 Overload. What is this you may ask? This is the first of a new thing. This 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 is kind of a spin-off to the other 121s that we've got, uh, being in Flux and Gigawatts. And the idea with this is that we are going to talk about a movie. It's going to be me and Matt. Uh, and this is kind of the pilot episode to see if this works. If it doesn't, we'll probably still do something like this. But the idea is that this will be a once a month thing. Um, this one was not, but future episodes, the movie will be a vote on Patreon for our patrons to vote for. But the idea of Overload is that we pick a movie to talk about, or in this case, pick for the vote for patrons to vote for, mm -hmm. that one of us either loves or will lately love, and the other one hates or will lately hate. Uh, in this case, it's a film that I'd already seen and knew I liked, and this was one that Matt had not seen, but he expected to hate, because... Mm -hmm. Previous attempts for Matt to watch a David Lynch film have not went smoothly. Swimmingly. Mm, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> We both went with the S word there. That's weird. That, uh, that's... Yeah. You know, it, it, I, to relate it to part of the subject of the film, I think it's... it's uh, We both had similar thoughts, but we went in different sides of the same coin. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Blue Velvet, which is... Uh, and the fact that Matt... Give me a funny face at that comment <laughs> means I'm probably gonna have to explain what what I meant by that when we actually talk about the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Blue Velvet, of course, David Lynch movie. It was probably his big mainstream hit of maybe his only big mainstream hit. I'm not actually. Well, uh, unless you count Elephant Man, which it really isn't a David Lynch movie. You know, like it's a David Lynch film, but yes, yeah, it's, it's not. Uh... Yeah, it, it's missing a lot of the things, which is probably why I like it more than. The rest of his that I've seen. I like Elephant Man as well a lot. It's definitely yeah. not a uh, Lynchian, uh, to use that no. term. Although, I, I always try and avoid that. I, f I feel like just saying something's Lynchian is a really lazy way of, you know, rather than yeah. actually saying why it's Lynchian, you just say, oh, it's Lynchian and just rub yeah, it off. Yeah, it's like Hitchcockian gets into that too. You yeah, know, yeah. Where and I'm guilty. Just drop it and, and I'm guilty of yeah. it. I've done it. Well, but see, I feel when you use it around film people that, that are, you know, well-versed in certain things... Hitchcockian has a different meaning than to those that are at the, you know, base level of movie watching. Like, you know, my wife, you know, she <laughs> might pick up on something being Hitchcockian. I was going to say my mother-in-law, but she loves Alfred Hitchcock, so that I, wasn't, I, wouldn't work. I like how you, you took know? a second to just like, okay, who do I want to throw under the bus? <laughs> yeah. I'm picking a That's, family member. Who, yeah. I need to pick wisely. Yeah. So you can, also, you can also tell that he's not expecting his wife to watch this later. No. Well, let me just say, watching Blue Velvet with her, it was half through. <laughs> her walking in half through? Yeah. Oof, she was not having it. So, oh, dear. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, how is this? It's, it's going to be similar to our usual conversations you've seen mm -hmm. the other movie movie shows. But, uh, yeah, so, so I'll, I'll get Matt sort of, since he's not seen it, I want his kind of overall impression without spoilers. Uh, that'll be kind of quick. Um, and then we'll probably just dive into spoilers after that. I'll give you a warning, just like a proper heads up when we get there, but it'll, that'll probably be quite soon. So, what is Blue Velvet? Blue Velvet is a, a thriller uh, starring Kyle MacLachlan, uh, who plays Jeremy, or sorry, Jeffrey. I got the name wrong. That's Jeffrey, good. Yeah, off, to, off to a good start. Uh, <laughs> he plays Jeff, Jeffrey, who is home because his father is uh, is gotten sick, and mm -hmm. he comes back to this, you know, idealistic, you know, almost fifties Americana. I mean, it's set present day, but it's very reminiscent of yeah fifties, like white picket fence, all that kind of American dream, that kind of style. Well, uh, even even the intro there is very fifties because the song that they chose, mm, yeah, it, it plays up to that, and yeah, which, so, which I from what I hear is a thing that Lynch likes to do is play with the so so this is you know it's already batting a hundred for Lynch with me. This is you know what the thing is though is Blue Velvet is a pretty accessible Lynch. This is this nothing. Is what, it, this is what I'm realizing because it was a lot more watchable than Mahalan, Mahalan Drive. Yeah, Mahalan I was called Mahalan Falls, which is a different movie. Yeah, but um, if you if, if yeah. you want to go full Lynch, you you go watch Inland Empire and see if you survive the experience. But no. <laughs> right now, this is pretty Pass. accessible Lynch. Pass. So, so he he finds an ear, uh, which he takes to a detective. And mm -hmm. it sort of it, this mystery starts to boil in, and he ends up befriending uh, Laura Dern, who plays Sandy, the detective's daughter. 
and mm-hmm. she's overheard some things and that leads him to one of the sort of the persons of interest in the case and what might be going on and what kind of begins is this sort of weird relationship with this this woman who might be a victim of some evil person i'll yeah. just say definitely a femme fatale like and mm. not i don't want to just the fatale part but she has this mystery to her that yeah what you see is not what's going on at the base level so Which is kind of what the movie's about uh overall mm-hmm. is that it's about okay everything seems perfect on the surface but there is this darker underbelly of things going on yep. uh, and that's really what it's about and it's about it's about uh jeffrey kind of navigating that and sort of going deeper into that rabbit hole uh, and how that affects him uh, and all, ultimately of course uh you know the thriller kind of goes on its own path as well in terms of reaching mm-hmm. that conclusion, uh, which is kind of the tropes that it's playing with. Uh, so you expected to hate this because it's David Lynch. So here's the moment of truth. Matt, how do you feel about Blue Velvet? I didn't hate it, but it's like, it's nothing I'm going to ever watch again. It, it, it's a notch on the film belt. Um, I did like the, the noir aspects to it. Like again, mm. you have the Dorothy characters, the femme fatale, and you even have Jeffrey as this amateur investigator because a lot of what he does is he's on his own. Like, he doesn't have the backing of any police. Yeah, it's, it's very... Yeah. It's, he's a very kind of... You almost get the feeling like he's almost like a little kid in there where he's like yeah. this curiosity. He wants to just sort of do things and, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of what the rules are. And you, you can yeah. feel that childlike wonder about him. But, uh, but once this movie starts getting into that weird Lynch thing... I found myself tuning out and then forcing myself back in because there's things that happen and I'm just like, what is, am I dreaming this? Is this really going on? Like, so I look to my wife going, you're seeing this, right? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yeah, there's a guy singing a song just out of the blue. I said, okay. Uh, But thanks to this movie, I learned what surrealist actually means Mm. and that's probably the better way to describe Lynch for me is he's a surrealist filmmaker. Well, here here's something that I've always loved about Lynch is he he captures. I, I don't think Lynch ever intends to set out to make something that feels gritty and realistic. That's not his his mo. Mm-hmm. Lynch does this thing where he even in this where it's still very mostly straight. Like compared to like like I say, Inland mm-hmm. Empire is complete mishmash of stuff. Uh, Mulholland Drive is of course very surreal, but. All of them, and even this one, they have this feeling like they feel kind of like a dream. There's like a dreamlike quality mm-hmm. to them, where things are kind of heightened. Uh, and like we say, like the openings, like you know, the white picket fence, that the fireman's going past. He's high enough the fire truck, and he's waving as if you mm-hmm. know life is happy, life is good. And then there's these darker things underneath. Uh, but w- when stuff starts happening, when stuff gets dark, when bad stuff starts happening, when Jeffrey's in danger. It feels mm-hmm. like he's descending into hell. You think there's no hope for him. It feels like it's turned yeah. into a nightmare. It really has it's, that feeling to it. Yeah, it's desperate for sure. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah. I, I think combined with the surrealist and that dreamlike quality, Lynch also does suspense very well. Whenever there's you know those long, cause he's very good at like drawing out moments where mm-hmm. you're worried about what's going to happen next. Where the, what's the character about to do? As as the yeah. As the villain who's very erratic and very unpredictable, is he going to do X thing next? And it's it's very... Lynch is an experience. Actually, funny thing, before we get to like the sort of the bulk of this with the spoilers, I do want to mention that it's funny that you picked this one for this pilot, for this... This, yeah. this, this test, this, you know, one of us hates something, one of us mm-hmm. loves something. And because Blue Velvet, honestly, is not my favourite Lynch movie. It's not even probably my right. top three Lynch movies. It's actually somewhere in the middle of the, the pack. That said, I hadn't watched it in a while, and I did like it even mm. more after this viewing. For the record, my Holland Drive is my favorite. Just for the yeah, record, and I, I knew that because I love giving you grief about that one. Oh, so good! No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> so good, so good. Anyway, so I'll give the spoiler warning so we can just we can talk freely mm. without worrying about things. Um, so, like I say, so full spoilers. The movie again, it's like this ideal idealistic world. Uh, you know, we don't know his, his father yet, but this is Jeffrey's father, who's like, you know, he's he's got the garden hose, he's watering the, the yeah. Lawn. So it looked like he had a heart attack, or he he starts gripping at his neck. Yeah, and and so that's our introduction to him. And then after that, we get right, this. Be- before you get to that, though, even in uh-huh. that opening scene, we see all this, you know, 
White Picket Fence, the Roses, the Lilies, uh-huh. the Fire Truck. But there is a shot where the camera goes under the ground. And That's what I was going to get to. Yeah, we, the... we see the ants and the bugs and... You know, again, the under, it, 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 the movie's telling you this is what this movie is. Everything seems mm-hmm. perfect, but there's a darker underworld going on, and that's what the, I, the movie's going to be about exploring. During that scene, I went, "What the hell is this all about?" Because we're we're like three minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's right to the start. Point. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, what? "Okay," and then you know the movie it, kicks do, off. Do you know what it is? It's, you know when you write an essay or you, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. And you write your your opening paragraph is meant to be an introduction that just encapsulates what the whole thing is going to be about. That's yeah. what this opening three minutes it sets says. the tone. Yeah, yeah. So wonderful. And so so Jeffrey goes back to town. His father's in the hospital uh, in the bed, all sort of hooked up to machines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's when he's walking home from the hospital that he he sees this ear. Um, and again, this is where for me the. I mean, obviously, the opening is very surreal in the sense that it feels too perfect. Like it's, it's very manufactured feeling, which is kind of the point. It's like you know, it's a, right. it's a facade of what's actually going on. Uh, but it's the fact that he picks up this this severed ear. He doesn't. He doesn't just call, call the police and they, they can come up and like see it. And it's yeah. a crime scene location. He t- he picks it up. He takes he it. He pockets it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one gross. It's gross. It's gross. But I think that's right away. It's telling you that he has this inner fascination about the darker world. Like he's like, oh, this is. He's not scared by it. He's like curious. He's like, he well, wants no, to know more. He's he's left the town and come back because of his dad, right? Like, yeah. right. So, and and when he picks up the the ear, it's like covered with like bugs. So there the bugs are again. Like, mm. it's infested with this. You know, it's nasty. So yeah, but he pockets it. That was that was the second moment where I go, did he just pocket the ear? Like he's just gonna grab it and take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I almost wish I had a camera on you while you were watching yeah. this, just so I could inter- intercut some of your reactions uh-huh. spurs throughout. Oh, just to... wait till wait till we get to Frank Booth. Uh-huh. Do, do you know the amazing thing about Frank is he doesn't even show up until like forty-five minutes into the no. movie. So. So my my main fascination with this comes from another film podcast I listen to that I've listened to for years, and they're outgoing when they wrap up the show is we're doing it for Van Gogh, and I had always known that it had come from Blue Velvet, and they talk about Frank Booth, and so I've had this fascination with this movie, but I've never, you know, wanted to to look. It's kind of like watching a horror movie through your fingers, mm-hmm. where like I I know it's there, I'm kind of familiar with it, but. I'm safe on this side. Uh, so, yeah. So, I was expecting Frank to be a major character, and then he doesn't show up until well into half the movie. I, I think that's a credit to, A, how it's written, how the character's written, mm-hmm. and then Dennis Hopper's performance that he... I think he still feels... Like, he's so important to what's going on. It's just mm-hmm. that he is the kind of this unseen... Well, that's another thing that I think Lynch does very well, and it's something that infuriates a lot of people. You know, obviously, the new season of Twin Peaks is on. A lot of people are talking about how long it's taken to get to things, and... Things that are happening off screen, and I think a lot of the the thing that builds fear with Frank in this movie is that he is on scene a lot of the time. You're mm-hmm. worried about him coming back. We see, you know, there's that great big showing of what type of person he is the first time you see him, uh, yeah. and then you know he's gone for a while. We see glimpses of him, and then when he appears again, and it's you know it's and he sees Jeffrey, and he's like, oh shit, like because up until this that point in the movie, he doesn't even know Jeffrey exists, but then mm-hmm. he sees him, and you're worried. You're like, oh. God, what is he going to do to him? Like Jeffrey screwed. Because he's, he's a predator, and you're just like, well, and we don't. And he looks at Jeffrey like he's prey, you know, not like he's something to be worried about. And yeah, so so he gets I guess into this into the case where he he's he's interested. He goes to the detective's house to talk to him, and it's when he's leaving the detective's house that he meets his daughter, uh, Sandy, played by Laura Dern. And I'm sure you were hearing the Jurassic Park theme as she stepped out yeah. of the out of the bush yep and, and i know she's done a lot more stuff with david lynch than she's done with spielberg mm. but she'll always be dr sattler to me hell she's in twin peaks right now i know mm-hmm. and then she's in wild at heart but just that's the only other lynch movie that's on my list of, of to watch is wild at heart um just because nicholas cage gets a eight part and mm-hmm. how do i not watch that by now um, <laughs> so and what, what i think is interesting is this movie very much is, is again it's about Jeff really looking he's exploring the wild side the darker side of the, the town like the, in the darker side of himself right and that's why he's yeah. so curious and I think it's a big deal that 
So they go up this plan. He ends up working with Sandy, and they exchange information. This sort of little budding romance kind of kicks off, mm-hmm. and she eventually, or they, they eventually, they have this whole ruse where he pretends to be an exterminator, and he gets into the apartment uh, where where Dorothy lives, and he steals a key so he can go back in later. Uh, and they go there. They see her perform. She sings Blue Velvet. Uh, and ultimately, I think the whole reason it's Blue Velvet and why she's always wearing that Blue Velvet robe is the idea yeah. that you're, you're you're covering up the darker world with this nice, expensive material. It's like this is yeah. the the sheen on top of it. This may make it look pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's not a comment about her specifically. It's just, uh, but she does represent the darker side of the world because I, th- I think Dorothy and Sandy are the the two, you know, kind of totem poles for Jeffrey's character where he's sort of. Yeah. going through and between well she's again she's the detective's daughter she's still in high school like she's very yeah. pure and innocent and then you have sandy who's a nightclub singer and she's, there's some yeah. darkness and she's, yeah, embro- I, she's embroiled in all this underground world and we'll get into that when we yeah. talk about you know what frank's yeah. into but uh but i think it's interesting though that as much as she is the you know she's the daytime girl she's the one that sees during the day she's more logical she speaks sense she talks about maybe we shouldn't do this this seems dangerous you know she's speaking with concern and it makes sense uh but then you know dorothy represents night like she she's like the curiosity and the fascination with the dark come night time and i think it's it's worth a lot that when he sneaks into that house and he's He's like watching her through the. He's in the closet because uh, he doesn't get yep. the, the warning, and he hides in the closet. And she's in the apartment, and she starts taking off her clothes and all that. He's a voyeur, and yeah, that's kind of who his character is. He's, he's fascinated and curious. He's, he wants to watch. He's peeking into this dark world yeah. now that because right now he's not part of it. Yeah, he's, he's still on the outside, and, even though he's right there. And oh, there's also a bit of a meta commentary going on here because I, I know Lynch has said multiple times that he sees movies as voyeurism. Like you're kind of watching it because you want to see the secrets you're not meant to really see. Yeah. So, so there's kind of sense. a it's just kind of that thing that the idea that you go to the movie theater and then you come out and it's you know assuming you go during the day like you go in the dark room and then you come back out and it's daylight again that idea of that disconnect where you go into the dark world and experience the whatever the story is that you went into watch mm-hmm. and then you come back out. Uh, but she catches him and. Again, we get to this surreal element where she doesn't react the way most people would react to catching someone in their closet. Uh, she, she gets very kind of... I'd say defensive, but that's maybe not quite the right word because she, she kind of almost... She forces him to strip. She she goes in the offensive. She wants yeah. him to strip and feel like well, she she's... She's holding a knife on him. Yeah. Like, she, she feels unhinged. She feels like... Yeah, admittedly, she, she has a right to react yeah. with some emotion here Absolutely, but she feels extra unhinged with the way she's demanding things. Like t- typically, well, she's very manic and she's stuttering and she's yeah. yeah. You can tell she's seen some stuff. Like, you, almost you, like a state of shock. You almost expect. Like, I think most people. I mean, sure, they may pull out the knife to protect themselves, but they'd probably yell at them to get out and they're going to call yeah. the police. So that would be the threat. But the, the the subject of law enforcement is never even brought up. I no. don't think it's it's just mm-hmm. no. You strip and make some strip and. Uh, it even gets a little bit sexual. Like this, this is almost exciting to her because she's part again, part of this sort of this sexualized, almost perverse world. This underbelly, uh, but of course, this is when Frank shows up. So he hides back in the closet, and then once again, we get the first scene with Frank, and all of it, every single part of it, is told through this closet. We're all we're through the blinds. Like everything yeah. we see in this scene is from uh, Jeffrey's point of view, watching this take place. Um. And Frank is this predator, he is demeaning, he is highly sexist, uh, he, he forces her to do things, he threatens her. Um, for, between the phone call that uh, Jeffrey overheard earlier and then this scene, it becomes very clear that he is kidnapped, at the very least her son, and maybe her son and her husband. Uh, yeah. And he's clearly some sort of crime boss or something like that. All this stuff going on. And, yeah. and he, you know, he's, it, and again, one of the things that Frank does, and it's like a recurring theme in the movie, is he keeps shoving the blue velvet robe in people's mouths, yeah, and it's almost like a, eat eat the eat the the facade that you're presenting to the world. Eat the mm-hmm. the comfort of the daylight uh, because I am bigger because than that. Because that's what he yeah. Because that's what he thrives in. He corrupts is, it, yeah, exactly. And because he's always doing it, it's never you know like it's like he's forcing them into it by doing by forcing them forcing it down. If that makes sense. Mm. Like yeah. he's he's turning them from from voyeurs into participants by doing that. Yeah, he's making them eat the 
the lie that they've been living, or at least he's he's saying it's a lie and then showing that this is you know this is fake. You're just like you. you. So so this this all goes on, and you know that then once Frank leaves, Jeffrey comes out and he's he's comforting, and that's kind of the end of it. But he ends up going back again, of course, and it, it proceeds to a more uh, intimate sexual encounter where she wants him to stay. They end up having sex, all this stuff. Uh, but then once it starts to get hot and heavy and he tries to ask, like, you know, is there stuff wrong? Your your son and your husband have been taken. Obviously, by this point, he's done some detective work. He's been taking photos. Uh, and, of course, oh. of course, Sandy's been like, hey, uh, like, maybe you shouldn't be going any further with this. This is this is dangerous. Yeah. This is, again, the voice of reason, the daylight, that side of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's interesting that her opening shot, despite the fact that she represents all this stuff, her opening shot isn't nighttime, and it is that mysterious, like, walk through the darkness into the light. Yeah. Yeah, but I see. I take that as that's her leading him through the darkness. Like that's his hmm. to, to kind of go into lost terminology. That's his constant. That's his tether to the light. Is Sandy? I, I think I took that more as she equally is at least a little bit fascinated with the the darker world because almost because she has a boyfriend, right? She has a, a boyfriend mm-hmm. her own age in high school, and he's college age. He's back from college, and I almost see. Her little fight on the wild side is the idea that oh she likes this older guy she wants to so mm-hmm. for her this is kind of her step into darkness and she you know she she goes along with it to a point she's like she's helping with the exterminator thing and it's exciting for a little bit but then there's a point where it's starting to go too deep but he keeps wanting yeah, she, to go she doesn't she likes the excitement but doesn't want the danger like mm. once it starts getting dangerous that's where she's like hey maybe we, you know, we should stop yeah but he's already too far in. You know, he's he's a whole leg in that hole by that point. Well, this is the thing. So, so the, the, they, they have sex, uh, uh, Jeffrey and Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy. And at, at least they start to have sex, and she wants him to hit her. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, he, this is yeah. like, why, why do you want that? And this has shown that this is kind of the world she's in. Like, she's to the point where she wants the violence. She wants the mm-hmm. the other side of things. Uh, and she basically almost forced him to do it by kind of attacking him first. And but he, he did. Yeah. And the first hit, you kind of, I mean, the way he hits her, maybe not. But the, the first hit, at least, is kind of self defense. But then he does it again, and it's like, okay, he's he's, mm-hmm. he's succumbed to what she's wanted, and he's he's acting violently. Um, and he feels a little bit detached after the you know after the sex is over, and that's that's when he's leaving. And that's and there's a great shot actually uh, before he's leaving. Well, there's just a shot looking down the stairwell. And he does right. it. Just it feels ominous, like you know danger's coming, even though you don't see anything. You just see the empty mm-hmm. stairwell. But it's night time. It's foreboding, and sure enough, uh, Frank sees him leaving the the apartment and kind of you know, be, being uh, affectionate. Bad news. Yeah, with uh, yeah. with Dorothy, uh, and right from that moment, it's like shit. You you feel this this fear, and Jeffrey is like like Jeffrey throughout this whole scene and throughout the, the the scenes that follow where they they force him into the car, they take him to this guy mm-hmm. Ben who seems to be like some sort of other crime boss drug dealer type character, um, and then the ultimate kind of threatening out of the uh, the work site or wherever it is they go uh, the pits, um, and throughout all this he is very quiet, he is shell shocked, he can't respond, he really does feel like he's being bullied almost. Yeah, he's very uh, timid. Yeah, very. Yeah, it's going to be a pendant timid. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that this is like, okay, you've been into this darker world and now you're going to see what's actually in there. Uh, I think it's telling that, you know, he gets beat up at the end of this and we'll talk about more of those scenes, but the very next day he's like crying in bed and he's, but the funny thing is he's not crying about all the, the threats afterwards. He's actually crying about the, uh, the sexual encounter. He's crying about yeah. what he did, what he kind of became for a moment. Um, and it's kind of like, and a lot of Lynch's work, a lot of his films have these similar themes of like two sides of the same person, whether it be actual duplicates or just like two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. kind of idea. And that's very much what this movie kind of is for him. It's like the light and the dark side and he kind of veered into the dark for a little bit and he got more of a taste than he was bargaining for and he's he's realised that that's not really who he is. It's not really what he wants mm-hmm. to be. Um, which is why for the rest of the movie when he goes to see Dorothy, he's trying to help, he's trying to do the right thing. Um, yeah. And ultimately, you know, after this it's when he, he, he tells... Sandy, some of it, and he's, he goes to her dad and like gives him the photos and all that. Uh, which is when we find out that one of the guys in the photos is actually his partner from uh, the police yeah. station. So he's a cop. Because yeah. so, there's there's this whole there's this whole scene that we see as as Jeffrey. I think he's walking by, 
uh, or he's watching it on the news, and we see like something bad had gone down at this like apartment, and it was the uh, it was the place he was sticking out and taking photos. Yeah, and and he's listening to I think it's the cops over talk about what had gone down, and it just shows kind of it hints that it could be Frank and his crew and just how dangerous they really are mm. because they really don't have a method. They just cause chaos. Agents of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Agents yeah of chaos. That's them. That's Frank. Cause yeah. the, again, by this point in the movie, I've had like four, what the hell am I watching movie? Like moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, um, let me guess. There's a first... One of the first ones is probably when gas first pulls out the oxygen mask and he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, and, and then he starts dry humping her, and I'm just like, what? Is... Okay, this is not what I was expecting from Frank. Like, all the stuff that I've heard about this guy, this is not, I mean, granted, a lot of the stuff that comes later makes me laugh, just because, you know, there's that scene in, in Drive where that happens in the elevator, and I don't want to spoil it for people. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. That haven't seen it. I, I remember being in the theater. I didn't know how else to react but to laugh, because mm-hmm. it was just like a, a release of tension. Uh, my wife looked at me like, "How are you laughing at that?" I'm like, "I, I don't know." You're a serial so killer. Deep down, that's that's that's, yeah. the, that's the answer to it. And so, I felt a lot of that here, where I shouldn't be laughing at Frank, but I don't know how else to react. Hmm. You know, I, no, and, I, I, I get it. Obviously, again, you, you, it's enough that you feel this fear because uh, mm-hmm. again, you see him in the the club when when they go to see him. Uh, the, the, the second night they, they go to see her perform at the club and he's in yep. the club and he sees Frank watching and it's like okay he's also ever present in her life he's not just showing up randomly um, but so so the, the whole scene as soon as he shows up and he sees Jeffrey and he, you feel that fear he's in the car and these friends one of them is uh, Pete from Twin Peaks is one of them but you won't know but I'm okay. just for, for others yeah. uh, and also Brad Dourif who's the voice of Chucky is one of them uh, oh okay that makes sense. Interesting tidbit for you. Uh, yeah. And they're messing with him. They take take him to this this bench place, uh, who's played by Dean Stockwell, who's a pretty good actor actually. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, he's in Paris, Texas, in Battlestar Galactica, and a bunch of stuff. Um, and again, it's it's this long, prolonged scene where you're not really sure what they're going to do with him. He's he's been kind of dragged around. Uh, they sort of confirm here that in, indeed uh, Dorothy's son uh, is kidnapped and is behind yep. closed doors here, uh, and it, it's it's almost like. I think this whole portion of the movie is like much like Jeffrey's experiencing it. We were with him experiencing this underworld for the first time and seeing just what this this part of the town is like at night time. Like, who are these people? You know, what do they get up to? And like, how scary it is, how depraved it kind of feels. Uh, and it does feel terrifying when they eventually stop him. Like, it feels like every time he even looks at Frank or he says something that he doesn't want him to say, Frank shouts, he overreacts, he gets threatening. Yep. He, he's doing it constantly. It's like a running well, before thing. Before they go. Yeah, before they go into the building, he has this famous line, at least famous to me, where they're talking about beer, and he the guy tells him he drinks Heineken, and he just overreacts and tells him to drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. Do you know what? I'm curious, like, because yeah. obviously you could argue that there's some product placement here, because he really likes Heineken, he's always pouring Heineken, and then, yeah. but then then this moment is like, the, the bad guy's like, no, that's shit, don't drink that horse piss, yeah. drink, drink this one, yeah. and I'm wondering, like, Okay, which beer company paid more? Like, paid for it, yeah. Yeah, like, who, who, who came out on top out of that? I mean, I guess, then, I guess it's still Heineken because it's the bad guy who likes the other one, but... Yeah. Uh, well, see, and, and again, how I know through this is that same podcast, they used that Pabst Blue Ribbon mm. as, like a, as a joke because a lot of hipsters drink the Pabst Blue Ribbon anymore because from what I understand is, as a non-drinker, it's not that good. It's just super cheap, you know? So mm. it... It was always meant like – so on this podcast, it became a a signifier of someone being a hipster. You play the Paps Blue Ribbon drop. Okay. But it's the way that, that Frank yells it here and how forceful he is that like – again, I'm laughing because I don't know else how to react. And I feel it's how Jeffrey is because he's watching this go down before – because he doesn't know where they're going. No. You know? And it's right before they go into Benz, and then you walk into Benz, and that dreamlike surrealism comes in. I guess that's two words that mean the same. But they walk in, and I can't get the topography or geography of this apartment. 
it feels much bigger than it should be. Mm-hmm. And like, there's an extra room with just two people that don't move. They're just sitting there. And it, it, the whole thing made me uneasy. And I guess that's the point. Yeah. Cause you want to feel yeah. what Jeffrey's feeling. And then they start singing, or I don't know if the guy's singing it or if he's lip syncing it. Oh, he's, he's lip syncing it. Song? He's lip syncing okay. it. Cause it's just playing on the, the radio. He's a uh... gotcha. Dream logic, man. Like it's just going and, but yeah, I felt definitely uneasy here. Cause at this point, he, Frank can do anything. We've seen him do some bad stuff and I'm, I'm feeling fear for poor Jeffrey cause he's in over his head. It's funny actually because I feel like you're talking about feeling a lot of things, and I think that's that's very much the point. It's almost like you don't like Lynch that much, Part, partly because it's kind of surreal. But you, you don't just like feeling a lot of the things he makes you feel. But you have to acknowledge yeah. that he does achieve all those feelings. He, oh, he, he does. He gets them all. It's like old boy. I'll never take away uh, which which director was that. Uh, Park yeah. Chan Park, yeah. Like fantastic director. I am never watching that movie again <laughs> ever. I don't like thinking about that movie. Uh, but because it made me feel gross, and I much rather turn on, you know, Spielberg's my go-to guy. I much rather go to early Spielberg and feel the action and movement, and you know, and kind of not shut off my brain. You, you want warmth? Later about Jaws for hours. Yeah, you want you know? warmth. Yes, no, I get you. Exactly. You know, you want the comfort blanket, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes to be challenged is good. But that's is good. but see, and that's my point here is I, I kind of want to go out of my comfort zone. Once once mm-hmm. I started going through film school and I realized there's more out there. You know, that, that's Kubrick. I'm still not a huge Kubrick fan, but I try to watch what I can, even mm-hmm. though he's not my cup of tea, because uh, I want to see these type of things, uh, and and see where the value is in them. Hmm. Yes. Uh, so, so the end of this night of terror, this night of like seeing what the mm. underbelly of this town is like, uh, this 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 trip in the dark side, ends with uh, a very. Th- I mean, I I don't know if there's much more threatening stuff in this world than Dennis Hopper screaming at you as he's putting on lipstick frantically, uh, you know, yeah. coming coming at you like it's because ter- you don't know what he's going to do. And again, it has that kind of there's a lot of sexual perversion going on throughout this movie. We're not really sure. Like, is it about to turn sexual? And he, I mean, he kisses him, and it feels like, and it is kind of this thing where he's saying, like, you're my bitch now. Like, you, you don't, yeah. you, you don't be a friendly neighbor to her, or I will kill you. You're lucky you're not dead already. And the mm-hmm. way I read this is like, Frank is the sort of person who will just kill people left and right. But I think at least at this stage, with what Jeffrey's done or what he's seen Jeffrey do, he actually enjoys or gets off on scaring him more than he does just killing him. Mm-hmm. The idea that he's out there and is terrified of him is actually more satisfying to him than just killing him. It's, And that's how I always read the Joker, right? When you read Batman. Hmm. I feel Frank Booth's very Joker-esque there is, yeah, he could just kill Jeffrey, but he's going to have some fun with it because everything's life's a joke and this is the punchline. And yeah, so as he's putting on the lipstick and stuff, I was definitely getting Joker vibes and that's just the comic book nerd in me. Hmm. And I definitely don't think that's what Lynch was going for, but I guess anything that resonates. Well, I think it helps. A, I think the whole scene, because like, you've got you've got the other woman who's dancing on top of the car the entire time, oh, and again yeah. it, it gives it this extra weird feeling to it. It just isn't quite right. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think if nothing else, like Lynch is very good at making feel, things feel unique. And like even though we're you know we're seeing the 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 the, the convict boyfriend or abuser you know threaten the good boyfriend. You know, in a thriller, we've seen this scene tons of times, but none of them feel like this. This, this is there's a whole new undertone to it. There's a whole feeling here that's not usually present, uh, and he's good at doing that. But like I say, all, all these experiences, this is his dipping his toes into the wild side, and he—I I don't think he likes what he sees. He doesn't like the sort of person he no. had to become in that world. Uh, so that's why he's crying the next day. That's why he's trying to do the right thing, give the detective the photographs, um, mm-hmm. do things by the book. Um, to the point where he, like, he, he takes Sandy to the stands, and that's where they, they finally sort of consummate a little bit and like admit they love each yeah. other and kiss. And it's this very sweet, again, very idealistic. You know, feels very fifties Americana and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. But when they're yeah, driving back, back to the Future vibes, which was bit. only, which is only what two years old at this point. That's true. By the time this movie comes out, so Chapman under the Sea Dance. 
And they're 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 driving back, and this other car starts chasing. He's worried it's Frank. Like he's immediately worried yeah. that his his. I was worried it was Frank. I said, uh, as am I. You know, at least yeah. in the first viewing, and you're worried because it's like, oh man, he stepped into that dark world, and it's 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 clung to him. Like he can't get away mm-hmm. from it, and you think it's Frank coming to like just kill him anyway. Because why not? And it turns out it's actually her, it's Sandy's boyfriend, and he wants to be. But this is when Dorothy shows up in front of his house, uh, fully nude. Just and she's out of yeah. it. She's delirious. She's saying crazy things. Uh, she wants help. She's clearly been abused by Frank. She's got bruises and scratch marks on her. It's and she's she's de- definitely in need of help. And th- this is when the world's clear because obviously Sandy's not been aware that there's been some kind of relationship between them. Yeah. Uh, th- this is all sort of new her, and she reacts, and it's kind of like the two sides of him colliding here in the one scene and as she's learning like she sees what he's doing is kind of right because he's trying to help but she's upset because there seems to be some sort of connection because because Dorothy's yep. clinging to him and hugging him and uh, saying you're my special friend these kind of things and yep. it's this again the consequences of him dipping his toes into this underside this dark side of the world uh, are here this, this is the consequence of it this is the well, fallout it's like the dark side's embracing him now um to an extent, I would say like he he's he's shying away from it, but certainly there there's just the mm-hmm. it's just you, you don't get away from it guilt free, and that's why no. you try and keep things uh, in the light. You try and keep things uh, at least why most good people do at least anyway. Um, uh, and of course, she's sent to the hospital, and that's all fine. And the thing is, it cuts immediately to a scene where he's on the phone with Sandy, and she forgives him, and like they, they still yeah. love each other, and it's kind of this nice idea that she understands. Well, at least to the extent that he had to go through that experience and now she can forgive him because she is a good person and she understands that he's also a good person like no matter what he kind of mm-hmm. did no matter what path he kind of went down um, and I, th- I think part of the big thing for me is I, I think Jeffrey sees himself in Frank I think he sees Frank as a warning sign of what he could maybe become and it's partly why he is so like repelled by the idea of hitting her during sex because he sees himself kind of becoming like Frank. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a slippery slope there, but I wasn't picking up on that, that that's who he could become. It's, because you know? I, I think Frank even at one point has a line where he says, you're just like me. Um, okay. And it, it's, it's why, and it's when you said earlier that when he saw Jeffrey for the first time, he's the predator and he sees Jeffrey as the prey, mm-hmm. and he does, but I think the, the funny thing is, is that up until that point, Jeffrey is being the predator. He's hiding in the closet. He's doing mm-hmm. all these things. He's getting excitement because he's he's you know he's he's pretending to be the the exterminist exterminator exterminator. Thank you. Uh, he's pretending to be the exterminator. He's sneaking into the house. He's getting kind of a thrill out of this. He's excited by the mystery, and mm-hmm. like he has kind of gone on that path where he is he is finding. Uh, at least this is much more male than what Frank is, but it's, it's starting to feel perverse. Like he's he's getting off on the thrill of it to the mm-hmm. point where he might eventually become someone like that. And I think mm-hmm. he sees that reflection and he sees he, that's what kind of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fear of that is what turns him around. Uh, again, that comes back to the, the hitting her when she wants him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to be that and he doesn't want to be like Frank. Right. Um, so it all goes down. Now, of, of course, at this point, we get, we get a, some scenes of it. There's a shootout going on. Like Frank's, you know, the cops have cornered him. Yeah. Uh, at this point... Uh, you know, detective seen the photos. He knows his partner's probably you know involved in all this, and but all this is going down, and he he gets worried, so he, he goes to the apartment once again to see to see Dorothy, and in there he sees the corrupt partner standing there, basically dead. I mean, he's not quite dead yet; he's still standing, but he's bleeding. He's you know he's just standing there, kind of comatose with blood pouring from him, and then. You have what I can only assume is the husband character, Dorothy's husband, mm-hmm. who's got blue velvet shoved in his mouth. So you know Frank. You know Frank did this. This is this is part of the yep. world building. That's here. his calling card. Yeah, but as you know, Frank's responsible for all of this. As soon as you walk in that mm-hmm. room, uh, and again, it's building this suspense and this dread of how powerful he is and how terrifying he is. Yeah, and he realizes this, and there's this great moment where he, and it's kind of the completion of his arc as a character, where he looks at this and goes, "You know what? I'm going to let the police do this." And he turns around and goes to leave. And then it's just the fact that he's already there and Frank is on the way. It's when he's trying to leave. He figures out the, the guy earlier on who had the moustache and he was well-dressed was actually Frank yeah. in disguise. And he's coming up to get him. Uh, he uses the police radio from the, the, the corrupt cop to call for help. But, of course, Frank, as established earlier on, has a police radio as well. 
So he tries yeah. to trick him. He's in the closet once again, which I loved. I loved that he returns back to where he originally was in this apartment. This is back right. in the closet. Um, and he uses it to his advantage. And of course, we have a little bit of suspense. And I love how long and drawn out it is. I love Frank, you know, getting angry, kicking down the doors, like, where are you? And then he figures it out. But we've already seen Jeffrey get the gun, so we know he can defend himself. And it's it's just... It's very well thought out in a sort of a geography level, where it's very well staged, yeah. where you, you understand where the characters are, the geography makes sense, and it's, it's all building mm-hmm. up. Um, even just the image of the you know the guy standing there dead in the room, like that wide shot of the, the room yeah. is just... I'll never forget it. It's nightmarish. Like it's just, you walk mm-hmm. in, it's just this... Again, it's, like, it's, it's evil, but because he's standing up and the TV's like on, but it's smashed and it's kind of hissing, it's like there's just this, this quality to it. That feels ethereal, yep. beyond just you know the 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 the, the surface level dread. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's, it's kind of one of those things where Lynch is just so good at making it feel more like a nightmare. Not you know, it's one thing to show an awful thing happen and have the dread feel real and have it feel realistic and awful and uh, have the impact, but it's another thing to make it feel like no, this is the end of the world. <laughs> like it just has yep. that feeling to it on top of it. Uh, so it's great stuff, and of course the, the climax happens. He shoots Frank, which, by the way, I love the, uh, the the gunshot. It's proper gory, head explosion, um, all the rest of it, and you know, so uh, pr- proper proper good blast. Uh, and you know, detective comes in, so it's all over now, uh, and that's where the movie ends. And to to a point, we get a little epilogue scene, uh, and we end the movie how we started. We start with an ear. And we come out of out of Jeffrey's ear, and we see the white picket fence. We see the fireman again waving past, and his dad's up. His dad's better, and they're, they're all playing happy family. He seems to be in a long term relationship with Sandy, and everything's fine. But there's this there's this bird eating eating a you know like a beetle, a little beetle thing, yep. and it's like yeah everything's fine, but the underworld's still there, right? Like it's always going to be there. You just have to you have to look for it, yeah. And- and, or, or, don't look, just... or don't look for it, as the case may be, to stay sane. Exactly. Yeah, stay away from exactly. it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that that's the realest commentary you can get, I think, out of a movie, because that's the world we live in. Like, you can, you can get bogged down by thinking about how much bad there is in the world, by forgetting that there still is good. I mean, because we even but... see there's a, there's a small moment as well in this montage where you see... That Dorothy's got her son back, and she looks like she's yeah. okay. It looks like she's, you know, she's mm-hmm. patched herself up. She, she looks like she's a functioning member of society, and it's like, okay, good kind of one out. And maybe it was, you know, arg- arguably it was it was Jeffrey being good ultimately that led to that happening. He, he, you know, he gave the yeah. police information. He led to all this, and I, I think you can almost argue this movie's a, on top of all the social commentary, on top of the the idea of the good and the bad and the dreamlike stuff. You can almost argue this is a coming of age story for for Jeffrey, where he. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. d- he dips his toes in this darker world and realizes it's not really for him. Like, sure, it's fascinating as a voyeur, but once you're actually part of it, it is terrifying, and you you're on a slippery slope, and he comes back out of it. So mm-hmm. uh, easy, yeah. Man, again, there are scenes in this I will never forget. <laughs> so good on you, Lynch. It's also washed out any chance of me wanting to watch Twin Peaks because it was like, oh, Twin Peaks is way more accessible than. Even is this. it the old season? Certainly. Even the new season. The new season, maybe not as much, but the, the old seasons okay. are, are very consumable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt, the old season old aired lunch. on ABC, right? Okay. I know. They're easy going. So I tell the story that my dad going to go see the movie after being invested in the show. Yeah, Firewalk with me. Yeah, just was was not having it. Was not a fan. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't think he knew what he was getting into, oh. but <laughs> I it's, it's it's interesting because obviously there wasn't a lot of fighting on this. Kind of the point of this show was oh. to make us like kind of settle differences if if the occasion calls yeah. for it. But clearly, this movie worked for you at least enough that you're not. Well, at the end of the day, it's still a well-made movie and it's still pretty accessible, at least to me. Mm. Like, had we done this about Mulholland Drive, I feel there would have been a lot more fighting. Mm-hmm. Just because that's that's way more Lynch than this is, like, like exponentially more Lynch, or even Lost Highway, I guess. Which is, that's him, right? Yes, him. I remember I came into my friend's house and he was watching that, and I felt like I was, I, I had walked into something different, 
So I left the room and came back, and it was still on the TV. But okay, that's a real thing on the TV right now. So, but you hit the nail on the head where it's. I don't mind feeling things in movies, but I like to feel good because movies to me are an escape, and so I tend to go more towards the Spielberg and Donner era of filmmaking than Lynch in Refn. Well, sure, but like, uh, let me think, um, recent stuff, like War of the Apes is not exactly all good feels. No, but there is like, I would say the first one is, that's what hooked me, right? Okay. So once you can hook me in with with the feels, because like Caesar, you make me fall in love with an ape that's not really there. And that's all Andy Serkis and, and Weta in, in the direction. I mean, so by the time that third one hits and it gets remarkably darker, then then yeah, I'm okay with feeling those things. But when you hit me with it right out the gate, I almost like there was a couple times where I was like, "Yo, I can just shut this off." It, but the fact that this was kind of my idea, I was like, "No, I can't do that. I have a no, duty." You, you can't. Yeah, yeah. This is the idea. Yeah. Now it, it's going to be a monthly thing, which you know, it's going to be mm-hmm. different types of movies, obviously, and sometimes it'll be yeah. ones that I hate. Uh, those will be very different, though. Uh, I imagine yeah. just just yeah. thinking about it, but uh, the the not so much just discussion with those going. Well, I like it. I like you know. I know Pete hates it, which makes me like it a little more. Like you know. Luckily, <laughs> I don't think you like uh, Sweeney Todd too much, do you? I do not. Good. That that's still that's the greatest thing I've ever done. I maintain, but. There are Tim Burton movies I really do like that are going to get entered into this pick, you know? Uh, uh, the patrons don't need to vote. They'll, they'll get two options. Yep. Uh, one will yep. be a, a Pete Love and Matt Hate, and one will be a Matt Love and Pete Hate. Uh, it'll be the idea. Um, so, if nothing else, I think this was an interesting conversation. And I, I want to emphasize that if you don't like David Lynch, if you don't like his style, that's that's okay. I think the point, yeah. of, the point of this discussion, at least for me, was not to tell Matt he's wrong for not liking it. It was simply to just show that there should be an appreciation for it, even if it's not your thing. Like, it's yeah. just not... Like, some people look at David Lynch movies and the way he tells stories and go, this is just weird and stupid and boring and it doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, the ravings of a madman. And it's, it's definitely not. There's, there is a, a no, vision there. There's, there's a method to his madness. The fact that I picked up on... And again, so... I'm not like the average film goer that doesn't pick up on subtleties. Like I love Nolan movies because of the little things he throws in there. Like we can have discussions about inception and the prestige and what those all mean. Right. But when you start getting to the dream likeness, like me and Pete fought over Ruffin's only God forgives, which is a movie I still can't stand. Right. Hell, hell, even people who like surreal stuff don't like only God forgives. Right. So, but the fact that in blue velvet, I could easily pick up on the noir stuff and I could pick up on, the idealized 50s setting that that intros it and that's the point like just to add on to mm-hmm. that like even when you see the uh the ambulance at one point it's not um like ambulance in the 80s didn't look like that this was like a 1950s no. uh ghostbusters looking ambulance yeah and it and outside of how some of the characters talk it feels like a 50s noir and then you get to frank who definitely does not feel like any noir villain no i've ever seen no, I think that's the point. It, it, it starts off with this kind of detective thing. The detective's very friendly. It's playing on the idea of this classical noir story, and then it subverts it and perverts it and adds all these extra elements into it. Because um, I think I think up until a point, up until Frank enters, it's supposed to feel kind of comfortable. I mean, there's some tension. There's like you know when when you're sneaking in with the you know as the exterminator and all that stuff. Like yeah, there's some suspense there, and it's it's fun. But it's not until Frank shows up where it's like, oh no, this is like disturbing. Like there's something else going yeah, on here. Exactly. Um, and and it breaks away from that '50s idealized, which again is the point of the entire yeah. movie. And so, I I I like that, and I'll never say that that Lynch is a madman because uh, even Mulholland Drive, which I'm not a big fan of, there's there's a a story there that he oh, yeah. wanted to tell. In fact, me and Connor did an influx on Mulholland Drive a few months now, ago. Now, what you say about Inland Empire being way less accessible, I'm just like, yeah, that's a hard, hard pass on that one. I need to so. rewatch Inland Empire, but my one viewing of it, like, ten years ago, all I remember is it being a descent into madness. Yeah, see? And again, if it's a descent into madness that is planned, then good on him. Like, mm. that that's a skill, I think. 
where where you can make chaos look like order and order look like chaos that I don't think everybody has. So I, I can appreciate him as a director, just not my kind. Like he won't you won't find him in my top five ever, probably. <laughs> Unless, give him Doctor Strange and let's see what he does. Like, it's funny you say give him something because I was actually uh, yeah. a couple of scenes in this new season of Twin Peaks made me say, you know what? I mean, Lynch is not the sort of guy to do. Pro- I mean, I know he did Dune, but that kind of didn't go that well. Uh, no. But he's not the type of guy that typically will do properties. I don't ever expect him to do one. But mm. if he did, if I, if you were telling me, okay, David Lynch is going to direct something based on something else, what would you pick? Mm. Silent Hill would be my first okay. thing. I think Lynch has never done an out- outright horror movie. There's elements of horror in a lot of his on a lot of his stuff, yeah. and some of his stuff is downright disturbing. But he's never done a straight horror movie, and I feel like the themes he plays with and the imagery that he plays with, especially some of the stuff that he's done this season of Twin Peaks, would lend very well to something like Silent Hill. And I just I, I just thought of it because you mentioned uh, you know Imagine. give him Doctor Strange, but uh, yeah, but no. But cool. So so that, yeah, that's that's overload like. And and hopefully we give you some good options going forward, so yeah. we can be a little bit more lively. But again, this yeah. is toe in the water. Uh, I wanted to pick something that I truly did want to watch, and it's not like I like. I don't want to have to feel like I have to watch it, even though at certain parts I did hmm. feel like that. You know, there the there was a a need that I needed to fulfill here. Oh, we'll here. get to those. After about a year when we've, we've started to really struggle for ideas for the votes, so they'll get wacky. Well, that's... Oh, that, that's when I quit, Pete, because uh, oh, there's certain no, movies that are on my banned list. There'll be that, no quitting. There'll be no quitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one point, is most of our votes on Patreon will have four options. This one will probably only have two, because I feel like this one's going to be harder to think of options so so we don't burn yeah. through too many in one go we'll we'll, we'll start off with uh, yeah. uh just two per vote so uh, you can expect the first vote up probably sometime before the end of august um and then we'll see yeah, uh, this is monthly yeah, it's monthly. yeah this, is, this is a monthly idea the idea is that we don't do gigawatts every week which is what we mean matt do when we oh. do new movies uh so this is something we can do as well and it, it gives the patrons another thing to vote for which is good because it gives that a bit yeah. more value uh, but everyone gets the episode everyone gets to enjoy it um mm-hmm. but yeah so there you go that is a 1.21 overload the pilot episode of a new monthly show uh which is the idea we're talking with is doing a, a couple of monthly things that are not uh, something we have to commit to as often, but something we can do to yeah. like space up the schedule a little bit and have something a little bit off, different. Off the beaten path is what yeah. I, how I've been thinking of it. You know? So that is Blue Velvet. Uh, obviously, there's probably some things we've missed, some interpretations you'd want to throw in there. By all means, in the comments, Please. let us have them. Yeah. Let us have them. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, as we've mentioned a couple of times, head over to patreon.com slash TV and uh, see what's available over there. But otherwise, guys, that is us. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next time.